You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Banshee After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Banshee After Show. Hey there, Fanshees. You know what time it is here at AfterBuzz TV doing the Banshee After Show. I can't believe it's already the Season 2 finale. I know. Season 2, Episode 10, Bullets and Tears. I'm Matt Lieberman. Joining me on the panel, as always, Monis Rose is here. What's going on? Uh, Oriana Leo is here. Hello, Fanshees. And we have two incredible guests. uh, Greg Utanis, a showrunner of Banshee, is here. And Demetrius Gross is here. Emmett Yawners. R.I.P. So sad. So sad. We're gonna we're gonna get all into it. Um, I just want to hear first impressions uh, from you guys first, and then we're gonna get into all this New York stuff. Just what an overwhelming, powerful experience watching this episode was. Just like a lot of like fun and like giggling and giddiness, and then just sheer terror and tension. I actually shed a tear or two. Yeah? Yeah, I really thought that Lucas was going in. I know. Sacrificing himself. Just the fact that he wanted to do that, man. I know. But I I felt like this episode, it could have been called Bloodbath and Truths. Okay, I'm into that. Manus, you you watched it for the first time today. I did. My butt was off the seat. I was just, (laughs) holy It's fun watching with it. It, Yeah. Yes, I thought I was on this turbulence spin roller coaster beat after beat after beat. I was being punched like the last scene of this entire show, and we'll get to it later. Okay, so uh, let's let's start at the beginning, which is what we do in this episode. Uh, we go all the way back 15 years ago, and we really get to see all the little moments that lead up to this botched heist, you know, this heist gone wrong. And the thing that kills me the most is how many opportunities... Rabbit gives Anna and uh, and Sheriff Hood to back out of this, and part and and it honestly it serves to really humanize his character, and I think it's very important, especially now that he's kind of exiting the series, to peel back the scary layers and see the fact that he really didn't want to do this, but his honor was at stake. Am I off base? No, you're hundred percent right on that. Actually, he he just and that and that that is the theme that goes through. It's about family. He wants to keep the group together. He wants them just to come forward. He wants that, but he can't articulate it, and he can't. He has to go about it in this way that they have to prove themselves, and they fail, so he punishes them severely. Yeah. Um, so I, what honestly impressed me the most, because Oriana and I, we got to, we were lucky enough, you invited us to this, uh, this screening on Friday. It was amazing, and uh, we got to see the show, is that the first about 15 minutes are all flashback. And we've got all this plot to get through, and instead we're getting even more juicy morsels. Now, like, where did that decision come in? Was that all Jonathan, or had you talked about it? No, we had been wanting to tell this story for two years. Yeah. So it came out of the Banshee Origins comic book, the graphic novel that we put out between seasons. So anybody that read that actually read the season finale. We, we were telling people that that was going to be very revealing, and hmm. when we wrote it, we, we adapted oh. the entire thing into the finale. 
And that kind of gets back into what you were talking about when we did our phone interview a few weeks ago, and you are talking about a deeper fan experience yeah. to give them all the answers if they're willing to look for them. Yeah, it's all been in there advance. in front of them. And we actually, the decision to actually take this to New York and to take that story there actually happened during the pilot when we were shooting in New York. It mm-hmm. had so much energy. We had to, like, embrace it and take the show back there for the finale. Which, by the way, great shots, great New York shots, and featuring uh, the Twin Towers, Mm -hmm. you know, the very subtle but very beautiful. I mean, I don't think there was a bad shot. I don't think you can get a bad shot in New York. Oh, cool. Thanks. It was It was really, you know, it's funny. We got to the bridge and it's the power of digital cinema because all the lights on the bridge had gone out. We, you know, we got there just too late mm-hmm. and they turn off the the, uh, the bridge lights at two in the morning and yeah. that was actually the last scene we shot of the season was the scene under the bridge and, huh. and then all of a sudden it just all lit back up again because the camera's so sophisticated. Great. That's amazing. Um, now, something that's always caught my eye since the beginning of the series is how you kind of personify New York with this, like, harsh orange mm. glare. And and you do this thing where uh, the the tones are a little more natural in the past. They're a little colder. And I, I guess I want to know what what is behind that decision to kind of, like, make New York this very harsh place. You know, it was, it was counterintuitive to the way that I think people perceive New York or represent mm-hmm. New York on shows. They always go for the steely blue look. And actually, I was in New York once and saw this, like, brown haze that went over the city. And so we really tried to make all the light coming through New York very warm. And we actually, uh, Chris Falloon, our DP, says that, you know, it's always like there's an eclipse in Banshee. Like, it's the sun is always somehow hidden. So we tried to make the countryside and the Amish countryside more of that urban kind of colder texture and in terms of the look we wanted two distinct looks to past and present so you could visually separate yourself so we we gave it this kind of blue green texture in the uh, in the past which goes with the flashbacks if you've been watching and if you see we usually do flashbacks within flashbacks is black and white right i love the kind of throwback to season one where we got so much information as flashback Mm -hmm. um and this was i felt like we got to see season one flashbacks but it was almost done in that style and it wrapped in some origin scenes as well it did in fact if you if you've only seen the pilot to banshee you can enjoy the finale is sort of my feeling and it and it did wrap in we do you know other aspects of that story do continue in the origins like carry me Gordon, mm-hmm. the priest and rabbit, Racine, and all that stuff carry that out. And so we, we weave it together. In fact, I think our bigger plan eventually is to take all the origins, take the finale, take this season's coming origins, and weave them together into a whole like movie experience. Oh, wonderful. Which do you enjoy more then? I mean, the creating a character's backstory, the Banshee origins, or you know, moving? I mean, I feel like as I feel like as the show's plot unravels, you know, as it progresses, though, I feel, uh, you know, as you're even enjoying the exposition equally. Is it true? I think the whole thing is a story to us, and we love telling, like, all aspects of it. But it is exciting. I always just, I just personally geek out. I'm making the show that, like, I would love to be watching. So you're doing more origins between season two and three? Yes. Okay. Uh, might we see Emmett Yawners, the late Emmett Yawners, in any of these I origins? Know. I, you. I know. I know. I'm being a jerk, and I apologize. Well, I no, we do not see Emmett, uh, Emmett uh, origins. But, Damn. Uh, I mean, that's Rabbit? not to say that we've seen the last of Emmett. Okay, okay. I was going to say, I like that. Rabbit has also passed on in this episode, but I can't imagine that would exclude him from future origins episodes. Well, we are going to go back. We're going to see Carrie and Lucas meet in origins. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back. Well, you know, I've, I've actually read uh, almost all of 
them. And we, we definitely go into that. We explore the origins of some of the new characters that are coming into season three. We also, um, go back in. We've got, we've got some stuff that we didn't actually, we set for last year, but couldn't get to. So there's, it's a pretty good, rich okay. season that'll, that'll fill us out. We'll meet the original Sheriff Morgan that died. Oh, wow. We'll, uh, we'll also, you know, see and understand Sugar and, and Lucas's relationship and kind of what's behind that. Cool. And, uh, cause we'll go back into the, uh, the days before, like just before the pilot started, we'll see the scene that happened, like right before the pilot started. Will awesome. we find out Soldier Boy slash Lucas Hood's real name? We we will we'll actually <laughs> learn more. We won't learn Lucas's real name, but we will learn what was meant by that line about Soldier Boy. I right. was hoping so. Well, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it's deliberate because we need to have more questions about him. Because once we... What this finale does so expertly is it's closing out a very important chapter in these characters' lives, and it's kind of, it's unfinished business. Yeah. At the end of season one, you know, we could have ended this rabbit thing once and for all, but instead, you guys chose to deepen that mythology and really spend the whole the whole year figuring out this whole experience, having this guy come to town and go on a rampage and kidnap Carrie's son, what does that do to these people, and how do they move on? And now that he's gone... What is the show? And to me, that is the most exciting question. Mm -hmm. Because once you have this sort of this big bad, this, you know, incredibly looming over everything big bad out of the way, these people now have to grow in his absence. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that that is going to be like right on the front burner next year. So, you you know, you clearly have, you know, we've set up Chayton to be a force. You know, we've got Proctor Mm -hmm. still out there and, you know, where we left that. There's still unfinished business with Proctor and Lucas. Everything's going to come to the foreground pretty quick right there. And then new forces coming. Right. And we're going to get into all of that. Uh, I want to touch on two things uh, before we move on. One, I love the the, the gay club scene with Job and his his outfit. We have a musical number in the middle of this. I know. And you have to tell the audience about who choreographed So uh, Beyonce's choreographer, James Essel, uh, did the choreography and he crushed it. He's actually from Charlotte and was in town for Beyonce and we connected with him while he was on tour and it was like perfect timing and then he's actually in the scene next to he, he's hiding in plain sight in drag right next to Carrie and Lucas so he was able to watch the choreography oh, while great. We were I was very it. excited about this like you know just the fact that I saw something that Beyonce's choreographer he loved it he was great he did it for us you know when we, we, we gave him the song you know and Neophonic that finds our music is really phenomenal and, they, and is, it, is it called Mighty Real is that the name yeah, of the yeah, song yeah 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 Sylvester is the uh, and he's passed away but his fan base oh. is really kind of carried on so it was kind of a cool tribute to be able to do that and you know, we learned about the drag culture. They don't use microphones. They just want to show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a great collaboration of hair, makeup, and costuming in terms of his look of the Marie Antoinette. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, you know what, it, what an ass kickery is. So when everybody's harassing him, you know it's not going to end well. And my question was. It's the best cut to of my career to have them be like, who are you talking about? Who? And then have the music come under and then cut to him. Snap. It mm-hmm. came out exactly as I, like, imagined and dreamed it would. Awesome. And I wanted to know when we will find out or will we find out about Job's past? Where did he get these ass-kicking skills? We're definitely looking into that for an origin okay. at some point. Thank We're, you. I'm yeah. just glad we got we got to see Job dress up this episode because we <laughs> haven't seen him, you know, yeah. cross-dress in a while this season. He's got three different sort of areas. We, we have, like, drag and then masculine and then androgynous. And you see that we sort of float around in those three things. Depending on the scene, we don't use it as a gimmick. It's really motivated and by functionality. So if he, when he has to be like on a mission, he's going to be on the mission and not 
be, uh, you know, he's not going to wear anything cumbersome. He's not going to be like in heels breaking right. into the church. And versus the scene where he's giving them all their IDs and stuff before Capital Diamond, and right. it's far more that androgynous. It's kind of a woman's suit, right? Um, but with this kind of male yeah. hairstyle. Um, and to do drag in the '90s was also a good job. Yeah, because it's '99, right? 99. It is. It's a, you know, we we modeled uh, Carrie and Lucas after uh, uh, Kate Moss and Johnny Depp. Actually, you know. Oh yes, like, I really liked that. Uh, Kate Moss scene of Carrie smoking smoke, yeah. right oh after um, a nice roll in the hay. <laughs> right, we staged her. We you know, we got her out of bed and put her up against mm-hmm. there so that she could you know sort of embody. You that, realize that you're photo. the hero of like every 13 year old boy in America. <laughs> and me, and me. Hey, their and, demo and was 19, 18 to 45. Okay? I know, but I'm just saying when I was and 13, me. my parents had Cinemax and I learned some stuff. Yeah, okay? I felt good when I was interviewed by Playboy for the finale. I was like, now I'm the coolest person I ever knew when I was in like you know when I was yeah. 15. You're gonna get some like preteen fist bumps like for serious. God, I hope they're. Not watching bitch. Yeah, that's not, they should. That's not appropriate. Yeah, stay in school. Don't do that. Yeah, um, exactly. But uh, all right, two more things. We I want to talk about uh, the fight scene and, and Fat Al as a character. Hmm. Um, so first of all, we're like sitting there and it's like 18 minutes into the show, <laughs> and we have this great kind of like chop sake moment where like I my favorite thing about Banshee is it's it's incredibly high minded. It's incredibly rich. But it wears its fun elements on its sleeve. Yeah. Um, it doesn't shy away from the fun. And half the fun of Banshee are just, like, the ridiculously intricate fights that happen out of nowhere and could be avoided. But why would we? Right. Let's just yeah. do it. So it's like, just do what I do. What's that? This. And then we just get this great fight sequence. <laughs> right. Short but sweet. But just I'm just giggling in my chair. Um, and then we head into the pie gal area. Now, Fat Al uh, knows Lucas from earlier in his life. He knows this kind of this soldier boy thing. He yeah, we wanted to hint. We want to hint at this. Li- you know, one of the conversations Jonathan and I had. I mean, besides the fact that he and I are the same age and we have the same cinematic references, you know, we go back to those films. We grew up on Big Trouble in Little China, for example, mm-hmm. was inspiration behind that. Empire Strikes Back has been a big inspiration for the entire season. But um, you know, one of the things we talked about was the. Lucas reinventing himself and Banshee was not necessarily the first time that Lucas has reinvented himself. Yeah. That's something we want to explore further next year. I ah. did want to say I made a note of that when um, there are so many truths told in this episode and Carrie says, how many lives have you lived? And he says, uh, none, really. Yeah. And I thought, interesting. I wonder what that really means. That that means what it means, which yeah. means that there's more There's more to Lucas. You know, that the Lucas Carrie knows may not be the Lucas that Lucas really is. Right. Who, is there a real Lucas if... You know, he seems like maybe he's tried on so many different hats that there isn't necessarily... Yeah. Yeah. More secrets to unfold. Well, he seems like somebody who he's... His survival instinct is so incredibly strong, and part of that is not just assuming an identity, but kind of pushing people away emotionally so they can't get at that core. It's how he survived prison, which honestly makes his romance with Anna that much more interesting. Yeah. Is that she's the one who broke... The shell, and even then, he maybe didn't tell her everything, um, which um, now makes me very, very curious for <laughs> their interaction next season. Well, you get to see a little bit of what that is in the Siobhan Lucas relationship, mm-hmm. you know, which is which is you know him as much as he's evolving, and this is as his coming of age. You're seeing him fall into the exact same patterns that he fell into with Anna. Yeah. Um, okay, so Fat Al coming back next season? Yeah, potentially. Potentially. Nice. We, okay. we love his character, and it'd be a shame to to not, you know. We have okay. a great, 
reintroduction to to meeting you know to getting Joe back to Banshee. So great, because that was a concern. You know, he's talking to Sugar towards the end of the episode. It's like Job's just staying is staying in New York, and we're like, why? <laughs> we like him. Don't take him away. We like him, but organically, it made sense, and it, and the way we'll pull him back will also be fantastic. I mean, right. that that gives you the opportunity to have again a great scene of how we get him back to Banshee. Okay. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, we have to talk about this this epic shootout uh, in the church. Um, and it's really, it's really a remarkable sequence. And my favorite choice, maybe of the whole season, is as they're facing these impossible odds, bullets raining all around them, you bring back the love theme from episode five, yeah. where they're, you know, kind of, they're at the, ho- the, ca- the house and they're exploring what their lives could have been. And it literally, like, we were almost choked up. We were so like afraid, like this is it, and it, it makes this whole idea of the two of them against the world so very apparent. And at a, especially at a time when I personally felt like, okay, their romance is done. You know, their romance is done. Lucas is accepting it. He's moving on. But still, they're the pair, man. Yeah, they have. I mean, the thing with that that was it was actually something Jonathan wrote into the script was the use of that theme. That theme has been appearing since first season, since Mm -hmm. they first met and, and was, and was really came to the foreground in episode seven last year where they finally connected and and that was realized. And then methodic doubt really evolved it in episode five. And then we took it to another level in the finale. And it was, it was, I, I mean, I do get choked up when I see it. I mean, I've seen that thing 50 times and it always gets me extremely emotional because it just, the music so powerful, the performances, you know, the the photography, everything came together beautifully, and it's they die in that church, their relationship in some ways. So there's and that there's a mourning yeah, that goes on. I mean, absolutely. I definitely shed a few tears. Yeah, uh, a beautiful sequence. One of my oh, go, go ahead. Oh yeah, Liz. just it's you know you you hit it. It's like an eighties. It was like an eighties action movie. It was almost poetic. I mean, like even a John Woo action film. I mean, the mm-hmm. splinters. And they're mm-hmm. running through, you know. I was uh, actually mentored by John Woo, believe it or not. <laughs> I actually, uh, when John came to the States, he was cutting Hard Target, and I was cutting my short film that started my career. And we were both cutting in neighboring editing rooms at Universal. And so we would, he would go out and have a cigarette, and I would run into him out there. And eventually we just started dialogues. And actually my first diet of action movies were John's movies on Laserdisc. I actually didn't have a sensibility for action and learned only through his work. So when I made my first picture which was this karate picture, which was like the first John Woo knockoff stateside. It was called Hard Justice. Mm-hmm. And I made that. That was the first film, feature film I had made. It was kind of a knockoff of Hard Boiled. But John was, uh, he was a big influence on my sense of cinema and poetry and music and slow-mo and so forth. Cool. Well, now, I, now we now have to re- revisit. One of my biggest kind of like regrets coming out of this finale and, and you know, is that Eulish, when he's first, we finally learn his name, uh, Carrie tells tells Lucas that, you know, he was the only person my father was ever afraid of. And that got me really excited. Like, okay, okay, we kill off Rabbit, but we still have this guy who's even worse waiting in the wings. And instead you chose to kill him off. And I want to know, I want to know why. We, we, had, we had talked about, so we actually had a couple of scenarios in which... Um, we were going to continue on with the priest character, and yeah. then ultimately, when as this thing took shape, and we 
we saw what we were doing with the priest in the first episode. We just ultimately it didn't get us as excited as it did when we initially conceived of the idea that potentially took us into season three. We actually is um, when Chayton was developed, we we really glommed on to that, and that's a good example of like when we see that something's working, we want to take it to its conclusion. We got more excited about what the possibilities of taking it all back to Banshee instead of continuing on with the Ukraine, which is what naturally would have uh, ended up if happening. If he was a giant, it might have worked. That's and it was true. cool. <laughs> and it was also like, it was un- it was an unexpected, you know, again, sudden thing. I guess that, you know, we, we are trying to subvert the expectation that, that that's going to lead somewhere even bigger. Right. Okay. Um, well, I, I'm just going to talk about iTunes briefly because we have amazing guests here and I don't want to waste any time. You know what to do. Go to iTunes, rate, review. It supports all of AfterBuzz. We thank you for your support. Um, now you you told us, Greg, that you have some some swag for oh, us. Oh yeah, okay, good. I'm going to take a few minutes because you know I know you. One of the things that I love is that you guys. And that's why I want you guys to come by Friday night. Is it was just a small group of friends and yeah. uh, you know you and and a couple other bloggers have just been so supportive of the show and the fact that like if I loved the show and I was back in Massachusetts growing up, I'd be like watching you guys and geeking out with you guys. So I brought you a few things. I brought you a lot of stuff, but we're gonna we're gonna like escalate it up quickly. So first uh, first and easy some. Uh, Kanahu, uh, Kanahu Moon, uh, oh, wow. playing nice. cards. Oh my Wait, god! They don't have they don't have uh, long shadows of blood on them though. <laughs> no, I, I want some. I want some <laughs> we'll have to make our own blood. That's you guys got? I want you guys to have uh, season one. Whoa! Banshee uh, season one. Holy oh, lord! Uh, Look at this. It's the motherload. The uh, the audio commentaries actually take you into a good process of how we do it. I tried to make the commentaries and pair pair people up so you learn about the stunt process and the casting process and post production and it'll right. give you the the whole making of. Um, continuing on, I've got the so I've got excited. three banshee hats for you guys that only uh, Greg, only oh our crew. Uh, you were spoiling wow. the the crap wow. out of us. So you guys, uh, those are uh, very coveted and uh, from the private collection. Those are so cool. And uh, I get you also the <laughs> original Banshee Origins comic book that we did. Okay, and I'm it, uh, and it Gregory. Out. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm nerding out right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So we gave. Yes. So that was that was actually uh, written by Jonathan. I did the visuals so that you're going to see things, and we uh, we extended it out to the full Banshee Origins graphic oh, novel. What? So we've got. Uh, <laughs> it goes out. Oh, I came up one short. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll make sure you're, yeah, make sure you're hooked up. But the full the full every scene that was in the uh, finale or at Origins this year. Uh, wound up in uh, wound up in there. Oh, that's and, great. And uh, bag's not empty yet. What? So Holy crap! Got you guys hooked up with some Banshee t-shirts. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I got Carrie in one You're of the these. Coolest. Rebecca and Lucas Hood. This. Sh- oh, and it oh works out. Gosh. Oh, ooh, these are great. Ooh, or they can, or you guys can swap yeah, around yeah, yeah. or can move it around. Yeah, I got a guys, Rebecca. Oh. Oh I think my we gosh, both Greg, got Rebecca's. Thank you, you so got... much. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Awesome. So you guys are all, you guys are set up full fancy. And I got thank something you. for After Buzz Studios, oh, which great. is uh, one of Lucas Hood's original uh, badges. Wow, that so, is so cool. Hopefully, you guys will. Uh, oh, we will, keep will be putting this, that uh, up somewhere. After Buzz TV exclusive. <laughs> yes. yes. We oh. have got the star. You can have the. Uh, Wait, I, I hope this is just that. Yeah, Lucas just wore this, not Brock. I want it just the sheriff. This is the sheriff's <laughs> badge. Right. You didn't get deputized. You guys right. got an actual good thank banshee you. Uh, right, sheriff's Marge. badge. Right. So you're all set up. Thank Enjoy. You. Thank you, Greg. Thank That's you amazing. So much. Thank you. Um, now, just because I don't want to waste uh, the time of our other amazing guests, we got to talk about Emmett's passing. Uh, we were well. No, it's, I mean, you're just you're sitting there. You're 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 patient. I'm enjoying it. You're having fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm 
I'm loving it. Okay. Well, I was really bummed to see you go, man. Like, it, the fact is, you know, and like I told you this, we, we, we did an interview earlier. I think that he, he was in such an interesting place psychologically when he winds up going because he's grappling with the terrible things that he's capable of. And we've talked about this on the show that at its core, Banshee is a show about uh, people discovering, good and bad people discovering the depths of what they're capable of, that good people are capable of doing very bad things and people who may be bad or think that they're bad are potentially capable of very powerful good things. And Emmett is somebody who's, he's kept it, he's kept it locked up for a long time. Um, How did you, just talking about like, Sees episode eight in particular. How did you tap into that rage? Has it always been there, or was he kind of pushed to the edge? I think it's the latter of what you said. Mm-hmm. The the kind of colloquialism, yeah, um, being pushed to the edge. And in fact, I, I don't. Maybe this has to go back to our, our previous conversation about empathizing with the pathos of your character. Mm-hmm. I don't think Emmett is angry. I don't think he's enraged. I think he's 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 frustrated. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who's really, uh, he accepted along the Lucas Hood, uh, you know, character. He, uh, you know, he accepted just sort of his place in Banshee, the role. He really tried his best to stay in his lane. And we see it throughout the second season. His, everything gets stripped away from this guy. I mean, you know. I'm a family man myself. I mean, you imagine someone attacking your pregnant wife. Yeah. You imagine someone, you know, killing your baby. Um, and really you grappling with those things and, and, and holding it all together. I don't know that I could typify or demonize what he did as being enraged. And in fact, just to speak finally on it, I think he's, Emmett is, is not noble in in his uh, avenging the, against the Nazis, he's not, um, you know, vindicated. It, there, it's what he did was wrong. Yeah. But there is, in fact, a silver lining of valor in what he did. There's a silver lining of of, of gravitas in what he did. Mm-hmm. And so when we end the show with him being mowed down by the Nazis, I. I I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely leaves leaves room in season three for more explanation, more to the story, because the guy is is uh, he he was at the end of his rope in that situation. So I couldn't really typify it as rage. I think yeah, it was, and he finally uh, felt safe. That yeah, was the yeah. most crushing thing. And it just seems so sweet where they're going. They're you know got the truck stop and they're going to get their snacks. And I know that I feel I pers- safer already. I personally yeah. oh, let brother. my guard well, down. Matt said something interesting uh, after episode eight, which was you know he did the right thing, but he didn't do a good thing. And I think exactly. the the evil for evil is something that you know that title was not by accident. I mean, we knew where it was ultimately going to go, and the fact that there are consequences. People mm-hmm. usually don't get out of Banshee alive, or if they do, the gravity of the town pulls them back mm-hmm. into it. So getting, you know, the decision to to kill Emmett, you know, came out of that, that there's that natural consequence. And that, you know, what starts in episode eight is not going to be done at the end of the season. You know, it continues to ripple out into the way people act and react into season three. So, you know, this is a show. You're not... You're not afraid, is what this is saying. You're not afraid to kill off the, you know, main characters or, you know, even supporting characters or, you know, you're not afraid is what you're saying with Banshee. I mean, can we even expect more um, 
you know, of our main characters to fall off next season as well. I mean, you can expect next year, you know, the way that we structured next year too, you know, having, you know, and I've seen all the scripts that we've been, you know, have been coming in and we've outlined and broke the room and we're actually about, we're actually, I flew in from Charlotte so I could be here today because we're actually starting prep on, uh, season, uh, season three, but it is, you know, we do multiple season finale type episodes throughout the season. So if people are, if people are just kind of like checking in and then try to show up at the end, they're going to miss some amazing stuff. And I would expect that there'll be more body count by the end of season three, believe <laughs> sure. me. But actually I was, I was telling you guys in the lobby that like knowing what I know about how we're ending season three, like as a fan, I, I just know how excited I am for season four. Like it's, it's all anybody will be talking about at the end of the season, the, the very last scene of season three. Great. That's so exciting. So. There's a couple of things that I want to touch on. I sure. wrote down as like these kind of universal truths that I felt were coming through the episode that may or may not have been, um, have been, I don't know, followed by the characters. Okay. The one thing was follow your gut or your instinct. We see so many flashbacks of, you know, Anna at the time feeling like this was wrong. Or um, how about when Lucas says, isn't that what they say right before they get caught? Like all these moments of just kind of like, I don't feel good about this and going through with it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're too young and they're too in love to like see what's right in front to of them. To see what's right in front of them. Well, but she does. She though. has the woman's intuition. I just. She has intuition, but she still can't like, she doesn't up. trust She doesn't it have yet. the yeah. boundaries. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was um, when a family goes to war, there can be no victory. And yeah, to me, that. that was really strong not just about family but this cycle of violence that is never ending violence begets violence begets violence and as much as it might look poetic it they can't escape it and rabbit speaks to that when he says somewhere in the future there is a bench just like this waiting for you yeah and that scared me in a way because i've grown to love this lucas hood character but i think there's a lot of truth in that that just because he thinks what he's doing is right doesn't mean he's not going to be handed a gun with a single bullet in it so he can kill himself one day. Yeah, and when that ha- I mean, the thing is, anybody can go at any time. So, like, if, if there was ever anything, when that that bench doesn't necessarily mean that would be the last episode of the show, right? So uh, let's let's talk about this scene because it's it, it's very powerful, and we were having an intense time watching it because we were just like, shoot him, shoot him now, shoot him, just shoot him, don't, shoot him. Don't trust the guy. Don't he can't sit next to him. Don't give him, him a second. You know this this is the this is the guy who will cling to his life and his honor and his and his wealth. Uh, you know, no matter how hard you try to kill him, and instead having him accept his fate. And realize the wrongs that he's done, that he's committed to his to his daughter, and that he, there could have been a better way. It's an unexpected choice, yeah. and it's it's a very beautiful way for him to go. We had to dig in our heels. Jonathan and I were very protective of that, and, mm-hmm. and multiple times people tried to talk us out of it. They wanted them to stand there and shoot him on the bench, and it was it, it came another to, bye, da- goodbye, daddy. Yeah, it just yeah. it just didn't. And we did that in season one, and it was very important. Like this was the story that we couldn't tell in season one, and we were very specific, knowing where we were taking the end of season two, and, and to contrast that, people have wondered why we kept the rabbit story alive. This is why. The story and everything that goes in this episode is going to fuel the next two years of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love the the moment that you brought up where he, he tells Sheriff Hood, you know, there's a bench like this waiting for you oh. in your future. And you see it, this information. That was a hard line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did drop it right that one? <laughs> well, yeah, he wrote the episode. That was yeah. killer. I, there's a bench like that waiting for you. I know. I was like, oh. But you you see this pass through his mind, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit, I feel like Anthony kind of like threw in just a little bit of denial in in processing this information. You know, I'm not Rabbit. I'm not this guy. I've done terrible things, but 
you know, I'm making up for it. You know, I, I'm, uh, again, doing... He's trying to do better things. He's n- not the right thing, but... Uh, or, like, he did something that wasn't... Uh, he did the right thing, but not not a good thing. And I feel like it's the same thing with what Sheriff Hood is doing to this town. He is helping the town, but he's doing it in absolutely the wrong possible way and with utter disregard. And I would say helping is arguable. Right, it is arguable. <laughs> but like, he's no matter a storm, how much, let's be honest. yeah, no matter how much good he's doing, or that he, how many things he does in the name of good or in the name of right, taking down Proctor isn't about justice. It's a vendetta. Almost. But it's a it's great got, allegory. Sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say, the you know, the, the, the rabbit's line, yes, but Job in episode six says, you know, or, or maybe it was episode, I think it was episode six, but he says, you know, bad things happen to people that get too close to you. And that's mm-hmm. that's actually a far more frightening and more immediate uh, threat for Lucas or the people that get too close to his orbit. What's going to happen, you know? And yeah. that's that's something that, you know, now we've got his daughter. We've got, I mean, Carrie, it's it's, it's And all Siobhan. Kind of, who I, I love this scene when he goes and visits her uh, at the the trailer, and I, I want him to I want him to treat her well. I like her so much, and yeah. I, I you know, but it's built on lies, right? It's built She's on been lies. Through hell, she deserves it exactly. Right. But the way that this scene plays out is so very faithful to the character that you've set up, and and I think gives an interesting view into his dilemma in the next in the coming seasons is that he knows that bad things happen to people who get mm-hmm. close to him. He cannot help himself. He has to see her. And it's yeah. the most vulnerable he's been in a long time. Absolutely. And especially the most vulnerable he's been to anyone in Banshee, anyone who is not Anna. Uh, and I think it, it speaks very deeply to what he's going through right now, where you're right, he's falling back into this old pattern where he is falling for someone knowing that his love could get her killed. Well, he's been driven, and now he's a bit lost. I mean, I think Anthony's great choice as an actor comes after uh, Rabbit kills himself because he has that, what do I do now? Maybe he's right. What's next? All like all this very complicated reaction. And the thing I love about that is that he's defined every moment out of prison about getting Rabbit. And now it's this, he has to start over in a sense and rebuild, and he doesn't have those tools. He's still a kid that was arrested in his 20s, who's been in jail this whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, he now has also a new level of vulnerability now that he's a daddy. I mean, it's straight on. Hello, Dad, with right. Dave. I mean, he, yes, he knew about it, but now it's... Well, now that she knows. Well, now that she knows. Right. It's a whole other level. Yeah. Uh, can you speak to sort of this, this parental responsibility? How are we going to see that uh, amplified in season three? What does it mean for Lucas to now not just have contact, but like meaningful contact with his daughter. Well, that's, you know, that's gonna, that's obviously gonna be a big wedge in the Carrie Lucas Gordon dynamic. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got what, what, and it's really not about them anymore. It's about what Deva wants and needs from them and how Mm -hmm. she needs to define it. So it's gonna be the thing that will, one of the single biggest things that's keeping him in Banshee at this point. I mean, there's, you know, now he, now he's been face to face with it, you know, and now, and also we're gonna continue to explore the theme of, you know, if you're the sheriff and you're pretending to do the, you know, if you're pretending to be the sheriff but you're doing the job, are you really pretending? Yeah. And you know, all these things are coming together for Lucas, and and you know, Dave is definitely a part of that. I mean, around his orbit, and that's also you know a threat for her. But you're going to see that she doesn't necessarily take that well. I mean, I think if you've seen her sort of reacting, her life is just turned further upside down from season one. She's the one who's really taken it on the chin. Yeah. Well, you see the look on her face when she walks into the office. It's not happy. It's not uh, like, I know who my dad is. Isn't this great? Right. She's almost 
a little disappointed. Like, it's kind of like nervous. It's kind of like sizing him up all over again. This is a person that I've met who's done some good things. He's done some weird things. You know, he's been oddly protective of me. Now I know who he is. And I'm wrestling with the fact that he hasn't been there my whole life. Well, she has no trust in adults. Right. I mean, they've only disappointed her and screwed up. Why mm-hmm. would, Now she has another one that she has to have a relationship with? Great. Yeah. That's how I would feel, especially if I were a teenager. Can, can you specifically, did Gordon tell her or did she already know? Uh, you know, we, I actually, it's funny because some people thought, I mean, I think Jonathan thought that she might have overheard it when it was shouted in the front of the lawn. I imagine that somewhere in the, during the time they were in New York, Gordon told her. And, you know, that's, again, like that, the complexity of that dynamic. And also Carrie, you know, promises, you know, she's going to tell him everything. So one of the things that people will be curious about is like how much she tells Gordon and does Gordon sort of get wrapped into Lucas's secret or not? I mean, she knows, all that Gordon knows right now is that, I mean, leaving the finale is that uh, uh, Lucas is, is David's dad. But the mm-hmm. the rest of the story, you know, we have yeah. to see how that unfolds. Okay, and we will. We will. We will definitely kind of, we, we will, you know, everybody, we will enter into season three. And, you know, you'll very quickly know the state of things. But no one will expect to see what they're going to see in the first five minutes of season one. As season usual, right? Yeah. As usual. <laughs> yes. As usual. And that was part of the reason of why we came in in the flashback and stayed back there. Again, it's like we didn't want to just pick up where we left off. We wanted to surprise where we start. And I think that's one of the fun things is that, you know, episode to episode, Jonathan always says we can open the episode twice. We have the pre-title sequence and post-title sequence. So we mm-hmm. get to really use that as part of a storytelling technique. Great. So we have to touch on two more big things before we go. Uh, we have to touch on Rebecca and Kai, and we have to touch on Chayton. Uh So Rebecca, uh, you know, she waltzes into the Kanaho Moon Tribal Council room. Can I just say she's wearing white again? How many white dresses does, does this girl she own? own? That's all she wears. And, wait, and wedding wedding night lingerie. She yes. owns that, too. Yes. She owns a whole collection of Fredericks from Hollywood or something right. like that. But at the same time, she didn't have all that when she came to Kai's, which means either she's buying all white dresses, or, or creepier, buying he's buying her all this lily white stuff. Well, you see that their, their Amish upbringing and, is ingrained in them. I mean, right. we, keep, we keep with the black and white and kind of, we've, we've kept this bride and groom sort of look to... Uh, to, to Proctor and Rebecca throughout the seasons. Keep it creepy and yeah. ambiguous. Yes. yes, keep it creepy and ambiguous. Thank you. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> my favorite moment potentially of the episode, and I, it's an episode full of favorite moments, is so we've been toying with this idea of this like psychosexual chemistry between Rebecca and Kai. You know, she lacks the maturity to be able to handle um, or to be able to separate sexual feelings and the fact that men want her for sex, her her power as a sexual being and uh, loyalty and support. And paternal love. Right. And affection. Right. It seems to be all scrambled up Because together. she didn't get any of that affection when she was uh, when she was in Amish country. She was thrown out by her family. Yeah. This is despite being a terrible person, Kai is the only person who has consistently supported her. He did you know, murder her sex partner. Right. But that was, uh, you know, because <laughs> had she to be had done. Right. <laughs> he, he, he had, she had betrayed him. Right. Um, but she, uh, she watches him shower. First of all, and he sees her watching him and they have this extended moment and a close up on the crucifix face. Right. And then when he comes out of the shower, completely naked, she's there in the room and she starts walking towards him. First of all, looks down at the package not a moment not lost on me. 
then we're like we're we're just like Ew. like like our whole bodies tense up as we're like are they are they about to are they about to and instead she goes in for the hug right then she pants the, there's panting there's panting but we have the captions on so we get to we know that re- there was re- okay. Okay. okay okay but that's like performance but like still um, ambiguous and creepy we're we're prolonging this and we're seeing how it plays out and i think it's the more interesting choice not to jump into it yet and just have them live in this world where sexual feeling and uh, familial love totally. are the same thing. It's a very complicated. I mean, just the way that Banshee has a complicated relationship with religion. It, you know, they have a complicated re- relationship, and where we're taking that again is, you know, will be unexpected. Yeah. So uh, Rebecca, she seduces and murders uh, uh, Chief Longshadow, Alex yeah. Longshadow, and um, we get this callback to the Thunderman. Uh, season two, episode two. I, I guess I wanted to ask you uh, what was the the purpose there. I know he told her that story back then, but I'm trying to remember the exact significance. Um, I mean, he was he was t- in the, in episode two. He says that you know that the 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 Kanaho have this myth of the Thunder Man, who's like this amazing lover and warrior, and he's and 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 yet no one yet the man doesn't know. And no woman who knows of the man like mm-hmm. knows that it's like, it's and so that it's everybody has to wonder you know if the person they're with is the Thunder Man. It was you know Jonathan went back and forth on using I I loved it because I loved the callback and yeah. I thought it was a great a great way to bring back that story and to give it to give it real meaning. But yeah. you know even in the even in the edit you know it came up a couple of times if we should get I was like I dude, I love it yeah and it speaks to Alex's character yeah. that he's arrogant enough to think that he's to the think that he yeah. is the he's in a strong and the thing is you think he you know he he, he definitely put up a fight you yeah. Know, he was stabbed in the jugular, yet still he yeah. wouldn't stop coming until he took three bullets. Yeah. And, By the and, way, Target Anthony's practice. performance is amazing. But, yeah. you know, be this is a note to all men for warning. When uh, you um, are playing some certain type of music on a woman, just beware that she's not going to take out a knife or some a gun. certain type of music. Yes. <laughs> you know, going Monus south. Rose, going you fascinate <laughs> me. <laughs> Um, going south, well, going, she, crossing the Mason-Dixon she line. She says, after she gives the kill shot, I've got all the thunder I need. And I love the foreshadowing of that, is that mm-hmm. she seems to be coming into her own, coming to that power. I don't need you. I don't need to be dominated by you and be under your thumb. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and again, that's going to come into play. I mean, we're going to see, I mean, if if, 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 we're, if she's, you know, Michael Corleone, I mean, this is, the end of the season is the equivalent of the end of the hospital, you know, where she, where he realizes it's in his blood. So now she's, we're going to see that transformation Great. continue. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we do have to wrap up. I want to thank both of you for joining us. It's thank been you. an absolute pleasure. And Shaden coming back. Yes, Shaden's coming oh, back. Yes. Uh, and we'll have to talk offline about that because we unfortunately we do have another show in here. Um, Guys, this was great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Greg, Demetrius. You yeah, thanks for your support all season too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Both yeah. you. And we'll be here. We'll be here all next season and every season after. Awesome. Um, okay, uh, Demetrius, where can the people find you online? Twitter. Twitter. Uh, at Demetrius Gross. At Demetrius Gross. And Greg? At Greg Utanis at Twitter and GregUtanis.com. Okay. Uh, Manus Rose? At, on Twitter, at RestFiction. That's RestaurantFiction.com. And please read my restaurant bar review on The Forge featured in the show Banshee. It's okay. excellent. Great. Uh, Oriana? <laughs> you can find me at OrianaLeo.com. That'll give you all my social links. Check out my new show called Running Errands in Hollywood. It just launched as an iTunes podcast as well as a video podcast on YouTube. And as usual, on Twitter, at Miss Oriana Leo. Okay. And you can find me on Twitter at Matt Lieberman, M-A-T-T-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N. I'm all over 
the place on AfterBuzz TV. You can find me. Uh, but also, I'm joining the crew at SourceFed on YouTube uh, on Thursday or Friday, I think is my first video. Congratulations. So, thank you. I'd appreciate it if you check that out. YouTube.com slash SourceFed. want to thank you all for watching, listening, downloading, streaming all season long. You've been awesome. We will see you next winter. Good night. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Banshees rule! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.